Wow. Open them with me to uh, Romans chapter 4. Romans, the fourth chapter. Amen. My heart is full and my uh, note bank is full. Uh, the slide bank is full. Amen. And uh, I'm just uh, excited about the things that we're going to uh, be growing in and learning uh, together tonight. Um, let me, if I could, just share a few things from my heart. You know what, and I, hey amen, I meant to say this as well. For those of you, I think some of you already know this, but um, the, uh, the book is uh, officially published. Um, it, it, um, the Kindle version, yeah, praise God, thank you for that. Um, the, the paperback version uh, was published through Amazon. Uh, it, it actually went live at 1.20 uh, this morning, and the, uh, the Kindle version was uh, a little late in getting back to me from the formatter, and then, um, and then it was uploaded, so it should be available uh, uh, very soon. As well, they say within 72 hours, but they said the same thing about the paperback version, and it—I don't even think it was 24 hours. So, um, but anyway, we'll we'll be sharing some more about that in the in the days to come. Um, just let me say personally from my heart, so many of you in here have encouraged me and held me accountable and prayed for me, and and uh, my brother started talking to me about books 20 years ago. Amen. And, um, and I should have written them then, Matthew, but, I, but anyway, the Lord's merciful and, and kind. And so, um, but anyway, I am uh, I'm very, very pleased uh, with this first uh, offering. Uh, I, I just want you to be in prayer with me uh, about this book getting into the hands of people who need it. And um, I put on the, uh, the Amazon posting that uh, a portion of the proceeds of, of every book that's, that's bought is, is going to be used to get this book in the hands of men and women in recovery programs. Um, let me say this. I, I really feel like the Lord gave me the title Becoming a Threat to Addiction. Um, but this book is not just for people who struggle with addiction. It's for people who have loved ones that have struggled with addiction. It's for anyone who wants to help people who are struggling with addiction. But it's also got a whole bunch of just solid discipleship um, stuff in there that'll help you. Michael Dye says we're all in recovery for something. Amen. And um, so anyway, I, I appreciate um, your prayers and, and, and uh, at some point helping me get the word out uh, to as many people as we possibly can. And, um, but anyway, the Lord is good. Praise God. And so more to come on that. But I did want to mention that. Uh, I'd rather be preaching, but I just felt like Amen. I know I've promised some of you I'd let you know as soon as that became available. And so, amen. So there we go. Praise God. All right. So Romans chapter 4 talks to us about faith. And if Mark 11, when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, the fig tree withered up and died from the root overnight. And then as the disciples stood there in amazement, Jesus says to them, have faith in God. I, I say that's the greatest faith lesson ever taught because Jesus is demonstrating faith for us, okay? Now, when we come over into Romans, 
Romans teaches us so much about our salvation. I, I like to say it this way. The four Gospels tell us what Jesus did for us. Amen. But it's the Gospels, it's books of the Bible like Romans that tell us why He did it, what it now means to us, and how we can benefit from, how we can connect with, how we can get in on what Jesus has done for us. And so that's what the, the Gospels do. Now, Romans, the fourth chapter, focuses in on Abraham. And Abraham is referred to as the father of faith. And his example of faith is so perfect that it's the one still held up for us to learn from and follow today. And that's really, I think, amazing if you consider that we, we have so much better covenant. We live in the new covenant. I mean, you know, this example that Abraham set was, you know, so many ages, so many generations ago, and yet his, his example and him walking out faith and receiving from Father God by faith, right? He did it uh, so precisely and so accurately that the Word says to you and me now in the New Testament that He is our Father of faith and that we're to follow in His footprints or His footsteps of faith. Now, I like to, you know, simplify things and, and just kind of spell things out. I'm not saying that that's all that Romans 4 is saying, what I'm about to say. I'm not saying this is all that it's saying, but I'm trying to capture it in a, in a, in a sentence or two to give you the essence of it so that we can then unpack it and, and, and build out, you know, from there, looking at these other verses. Um, but what we basically see in Abraham's life is that God spoke to him. God, God made a declaration uh, to Abraham. He declared that Abraham was the father of many nations. As a matter of fact, Father God declared to Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. That was the word of God to Abraham. Now, if you read the New Testament version of this, I, li I like to say that, that the Old Testament version has been drugged through the blood of Jesus and cleaned up a bit, right? So thank God for the New Testament version and how Father looks at us in light of the blood of Jesus. But if you go back to the Old Testament version, you see some details, right, that are not necessarily included in the New Testament. Like, for instance, Abraham and Sarah both laughing in God's face when he made them this declaration, when he made them, declared to them this promise, right? And, and how they just thought it preposterous and ridiculous and, and, and questioned it and, and so forth and so on, right? We, but again, that, that was all part of the process, if you will. Um, and what Abraham... Uh, by the Holy Spirit working in his life, ultimately brought him to an understanding of. And so what we see is that God said to Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations, but I believe Abraham heard something different. He heard, I will make you the father of many nations. Not I have made, but will make. And so because, you know, in his heart, 
Abraham was believing that God would one day make him, right? Uh, he kept waiting for that to happen. And, and yet that's not what God said. God didn't say, I will make. He said, I have made you. And so the Bible says that, that, that Abraham come to that revelation. He came to that understanding by giving glory to God. To the point that he changed his name to mean father of a multitude. Abraham, remember he was originally Abram. I'm, I'm kind of going through this rather quickly tonight. And so what was it then that, that Abram, Abraham, what, what was it that he believed? Listen very carefully. He believed that God made him something that he could never make himself. And he believed it to be true before there was ever any evidence to support it. It's very important right there. He didn't wait until Sarah, you know, got pregnant to believe, to change his name. When there was zero evidence, she couldn't have a child when she was in her 20s. Now she's in her 80s, right? But he believed that God had done something for him, that God had made him something, that God had given him something before he ever saw any evidence of that gift of that promise of that which God had made him. Now, how does that apply to you and me? Why is that such an important example for us to follow? Because the Bible says that when we were born again, we became something through that experience. God, my friend, has made you something. Our Creator, Father, has made you a new creation. And He has given you a new identity. And He has given you gifts and an inheritance, right? All of these things that now are yours, that belong to you. Amen. And we're to follow Abraham's example. We're to believe that God has also declared some things about us. Amen? And we believe those things are true even if there's no evidence of those things in our lives. If you wait to believe you are righteous, right? If you wait to believe you're righteous, uh, you know, when there's evidence of your righteousness in your behavior, you'll never see the evidence of your righteousness. If you wait to believe that, 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 that you're healed, if you wait until you feel better to believe you're healed, if you wait till you're behaving better to believe you're righteous, if you wait till there's more money in your bank account to believe that God has blessed you and prospered you, are you understand? That's not how it works. You believe it because God's declared it. Amen. This is faith. This is, the, this is the essence of faith. It's the, it's the example of faith. Now, let me, let me just back up here for a moment because we've, we've jumped into the deep end of the pool and, and I, you know, again, that's a good place to be. But I want to I back up just for a moment because there's... There's a sticking point here for a lot of people that we, we've got to get beyond. We, we've, we've got to get this nailed down. Amen. And that sticking point basically involves this one statement right here. Okay, listen to me, please. 
God's ways are the ways of faith. God's ways are the ways of faith. This world's ways, listen to me, they're not the ways of faith. We've learned so much about life and living and getting our needs met and, 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 and surviving and, 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 and trying to prosper and, and how we go about that, how, how we you know, pull that off, how we make that happen. Notice even, right, make it happen, pull it off, get it done, right? These, these things fall into the normal, natural wheelhouse of, of the way people approach life and living on planet Earth. This is not how our Heavenly Father approaches life and living on planet Earth. His ways are the ways of faith. Now, on the surface, a lot of people say, okay, yeah, man, I got that, Pastor Mark. You've already said that a time or two. Why, why are we still on this point, right? Again, we agree with it in a superficial way, but when the rubber meets the road in our lives, many times we go back to what we're familiar with, and what we're familiar with is what do we deserve? What have we earned? What is it that God owes us? And what did Abraham learn about faith? that if it's a debt owed, it cannot be a gift given. These things are, are like two uh, you know, parallel lines that will never intersect. They're, they're on different planes. They're, they're operating on, 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 on different frequencies, right? You might as well try to pick up an FM station on an AM band. It's, it, it, you're, you're, you're on different wavelengths. God's frequency is the frequency of faith. And please listen to me. I, I, when I say faith alone, I, obviously there's the, the now abide. Now these three exist alongside one another. Faith, hope, love, these three, the grace of these is love. We could also say God's ways are the ways of, of love. God is love. Um, we, could, we could even say God's ways are the ways of, of hope. Amen. So I'm not just <clears throat> trying to kick other things to the curb. When I say that God's ways are the ways of faith and faith only, I'm not, I'm not leaving hope and love out of that statement. But when I say faith only, it's not faith and what we can earn. I don't want to go back down this road too far. There's, there's lots of teaching on this um, from a few months back. But remember, <clears throat> this world system is one that's based upon probability, luck, chance, improving our luck, improving our chances. Am I right about it? See, that's been ingrained into us and we carry remnants of that, pieces of that with us into, into this walking by faith and not by sight way of life. We, we do it because we, it's, it's what we, again, it's, it's, we've been conditioned to think this way. We've been conditioned to operate this way. I'm, I am a, 
Amen. When it comes to sports, it's pretty much just, you know, college football for me. Every now and then, you know, my, my son or, or uh, my son in grace, John Mark or Jake, you know, they, they may be interested in something. I'll, I'll watch it with them just because it's something fun to do with them, you know. Um, but it's my understanding with the NBA, the, the way they handle their draft is all the team owners come together and, and they have a lottery. They, they literally draw numbers to see who gets the first pick. It, do, it doesn't have anything to do with, like in the NFL, the, the team with the poorest record the previous year, they feel like, well, they need, the, you know, they need some good players. So we'll let them choose first, this kind of thing. That's not how it works in the NBA. Am I right about this? Those of you who understand these things, am I, am I okay with this, Jake? Am I right? It's, 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 it's a lottery. And so you could be the Golden State Warriors or, or the Los Angeles Lakers. You could be one of the, 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 what, the Raptors, I guess, won the championship this year. You could be the Toronto Raptors and won the championship last year and get the first round pick, first pick of the first round in, in, the, in the upcoming draft if, if you drew your name out. Why am I talking about this? They interviewed and talked with some of the owners who were there the day that they were to draw to see what order they would pick in. And they asked those different owners and the ones of them who would admit it, how many of them had some ritual or some good luck charm, some, you know, proverbial rabbit's foot in their pocket, you know, lucky pair of socks, lucky pair of boxer shorts, whatever, some routine that, you know, that they don't eat or they do eat or whatever. And it was, it was a whole bunch of them. Think about, think about that for a moment. The, a lot of these men are multimillionaires, billionaires. And yet they put some good luck charm in their pocket before they go draw to see, right? Notice now there's something in us that's looking for something outside of us to give us favor in any given situation. But notice what the world has done to us because that that's inside of us that's looking to something outside of us to help us and find, give favor to us. In a, that, that's, we're looking for our Heavenly Father, right? We're looking for His help. We're looking for Him to take care of us, for Him to bless us, for Him to promote us and prosper us. That's, that's how we were created. But again, the enemy has people so foolish that they think that they can cut the foot off a rabbit and put it in their pocket, and that's going to give them a better draw on draft day. Probability. So when, so what we see then when we when we bring this when, when we carry this with us over into Father's ways being the ways of faith, we have this concept that, you know, if we do this this and this, it's going to somehow get our prayer request you know uh, up towards the top of the stack. Surely, because we've come to church, God's going to listen to us over somebody who never comes. Notice what we're notice. Notice the flaw in the thinking there. 
We're thinking that it's based upon something that we do to, 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 to get uh, God you know, to show us something uh, and do something for us ahead of somebody else. See, some of you are like, almost inwardly, you're like, I'm trying to look straight ahead and act natural, but what's wrong with that, Pastor Mark? See, what is it doing? It's contaminating our faith. Let me read some verses to you. Romans chapter 4. I'm going to read it from the New King James in from the Passion Translation. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Let me give it to you in the Passion Translation. Let me use Abraham as an example. I'll put it up on the screen. It's clear that, humanly speaking, he was the founder of Judaism. What was his experience of being made right with God? Was it by his good works of keeping the law? No. For if it was by the things he did, he would have something to boast about, but no one boasts before God. Listen to what the Scriptures say. Because Abraham believed God's words, his faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. When people work, they earn wages. It can't be considered a free gift because they earned it. But no one earns God's righteousness. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. The title of last Wednesday evening's uh, message was A Faith Transfer. A Faith Transfer. It's when something is in God's account that He then puts into your account. The only way, it's not the number one way, it's not one of the ways, it's not like the best way, it is the only way. Do you understand the difference between only way and best way? Best way implies, well, that's the best way, but there are other ways. No, no. It is the best way, but it is also at the same time the only way. The only way to get it from God's account into your account is faith. The sooner we come to that conclusion, the better. Because anything else that we're trying to do to get God to owe us a deposit from His account into ours is nothing but a waste of our time. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that it's impossible to please God apart from faith. Without faith, you can't please Him. That's how much the ways of God are the ways of faith. Mm -mm -mm. Now, let me, let me try to break this down tonight. Obviously, I've tried to bite off more than we can chew, but we're going to be all right. The Lord's going to help us. Amen? You agreeing with me? You helping me? All right. So notice this phrase out of 
the, uh, the Passion Translation. It says, it can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works. Now, for those of you who may be new to this study, we answered the question that's, that, that's, that you may be asking tonight. Okay, Pastor Mark, I got it already, but that only applies to being justified, right? That only applies to God justifying us. No, because the Bible says in Colossians, as you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in Him. So, so it's, it's, in other words, it's not that we're, we receive the gift of righteousness by ceasing from our efforts to earn it, but it's true of everything else that's in God's account that He's now wanting to put in your account. Amen? So when it says it can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works, works here means this concept that we got to do what it takes to earn or deserve. All right? Now, the last part of that uh, phrase but believes in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous. Now, this is where, again, and I want you to see it this way tonight, because let's go back then to our, our example to follow. His, his, it's Abraham, right? Remember, did God declare something to Abraham? He declared to Abraham, you are, I have made you the father of many nations. God declared that. You say, well, Pastor Mark, it says he promised him that. He declared the promise, right? But remember something about God's promises. They're not like the promises that other people make you, right? All of his promises are yes and amen. All of everything God promises is yes and so be it. Everything, in other words, if God has promised it to you, you don't have to ask him if it's, if it's, um, his will. As a matter of fact, thank God He's merciful and kind to us, but you're actually insulting Him to ask Him about something He's already promised you. By asking Him, you're implying that somehow He didn't mean it, or somehow He won't do it, or somehow He can't do it. Are you following what I'm saying? So, but believes in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous. In Abraham's case, he believed in the one who powerfully declared him to be the father of a multitude. Now, did Abraham try to make this happen by his own works? Yes, he did. Did he try to improve his, his, his odds? Yes, he did, right? In other words, the odds of him, in his mind, the odds, the chances of him having a child with Sarah were, were zero to none, right? I mean, it's like not going to happen. So what, what did they decide? That Abraham would have relations with Sarah's handmaiden and that would improve the odds. Notice the probability thinking here, right? It's like, well, listen, there's no way. I mean, she's, she's never been able to have a child, right? Uh, so perhaps, um, you know, Abraham then, uh, it would improve the odds of this coming to pass. Notice how that, that's not faith, my friend. That they're not doing this by faith. They're, they're trying to earn it. They're trying to, to perform. They're, they're trying to make something happen by their strength 
instead of realizing there's absolutely nothing we can do to make this happen. If this is going to happen, it's only going to happen by faith. It's only going to happen by God transferring from His account into our account. Right? But believes in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous. So the most powerful thing in a kingdom is the word of the king. We see three offices in the Old Testament. We see the office of the priest, we see the office of the prophet, and we see the office of the king. And we see that in each of those cases, each of those offices, God, our Father, He would take anointing, uh, His power, His ability, and He would place it upon those uh, men and women who occupied those offices, and He would empower them to operate and function in those offices. Again, if I could simplify, the priest's responsibilities involved speaking to God on behalf of the people. The prophet's responsibilities basically involved speaking to the people on behalf of God. So the priest would represent the people before God. The prophet would represent God before the people. The king, however, he occupied a different place. The king's responsibility was to make declarations over God's people. And what did God say? Declare a thing and I will establish it for you. So the king was to make declarations. Now, David is the Old Testament example of Jesus. Jesus is referred to as the son of David. David is the only man in the Old Testament who was anointed and empowered by God to operate in all three offices. David operated as a priest before God, he operated as a prophet before God, and he operated as a king before God. And then comes our big brother Jesus. He is the fulfillment. He is the embodiment. He is the eternal king, priest, and prophet. He occupies those offices, right? He declares. He makes declarations. Now, we are citizens of His kingdom. We're actually more than that. The Bible calls you an ambassador. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're here, but we're not from here. Our citizenship is heaven. Our king is our beautiful king of kings. And you are the king that he is king over. Amen. So again, the most powerful thing in any kingdom is the word of the king. It's when the king declares some things. And my brother and my sister, our king has spoken. Our king has declared some things over you and me. He has had some things to say about you. Do you know what he said? You see, the one who powerfully declares you to be righteous also powerfully declares you to be his son or daughter. The one who powerfully declares you to be righteous also powerfully declares you to be healed. By his stripes you were healed. 
He powerfully declares you to be free. He powerfully declares you free. He powerfully declares you blessed. He powerfully declares you protected. He powerfully declares you to be one with Him. He's declared all of this and then some over you. Just like He declared to Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. So when we see this concept of faith, this, this reality of faith, when he says, let's go back to it, it can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works, but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous. There is, there is a release that has to take place in order to embrace our Father's ways of faith. Many times we're trying to hold on to this world system that we're familiar with, with one hand, and then reach over into Father's system with the other hand, and somehow think that it's both what we deserve and what He desires for us to have. Remember, grace is about what Father desires to give you. He'll not owe you anything, but He'll freely give you everything, right? But when we try to hold on to that old system of, of earning it and deserving it and, and working to, 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 to be owed it, it prevents us from ever fully embracing Father's ways of faith. Again, this is where so many people get stuck. Think of it this way. As long as your arms are full of everything in this system over here, you can't, you don't, you can't embrace this one, right? You got, in other words, you got to lay some stuff, you, not just some stuff, you got to lay this down completely in order to embrace Father's ways of faith. All right, I know I'm about out of time, but let me, praise God. Let me, let me skip down here because I want to get to this. So this brings us then to, to Romans chapter 4 and verse 16. All right, I skipped over a lot of stuff. We'll come back next week and try to bring some of these other things in here. Romans 4 and 16, it says this, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now I get started here and I don't know when to stop, because this, this right here again, because what he's, what he's declaring here, what he's presenting here, what he's establishing here, is so very, very important. If it's not a faith, it can't be grace. So we've got two systems. We've got the system of, of, of works and, and what we've earned and deserved and what we're owed. And then we've got this other system. It's, it's one of grace. It's what Father desires to give you. 
And, and this system, again, it's Father's system, and, it's the, and it operates through the ways of faith. Right? You follow me? So the minute, the minute we try to gain favor by something other than faith, it automatically throws us back into this system. Man, I want, I want five better ways to say that. But are you, in other words, we, we I'm going to say it again. The minute we try to access, make a withdrawal from Father's account, right? The minute we try to do it by something other than faith, it throws us back over here into what we deserve. In, in other words, these two... Remember we talked about the, in the beginning, they're different frequencies. They, 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 it's like if you turn the magnets backwards, they repel each other. They, they can't, you know. But man, you take faith and grace, man, them magnets will work together just like that, right? But you, you start trying to bring deserving, earning, that kind of probability, that kind of improve my chances with God mindset over to this. The closer you get to it, the further it'll push it away from you. It'll repel it. Right? What does God do to the proud? He resists the proud. He resists the proud. But what does He give to the humble? Grace. Trust is one of the greatest expressions of humility. Trust is one of the greatest expressions of humility. Right? Do you see the connection there? Faith and humility, faith and humility. All right, let me get back to this. I want to give you this last verse. Um, same verse, rather, Romans 4, 16, but I want you to see it this time in the Amplified. Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends... Partially on faith? Is that what it says? Mostly on faith? Is that what it says? No, entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace, unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. To make it stable and valid and guaranteed to all his descendants. Not only to the devotees and adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham who is thus the father of us all. Michael Wilson was telling me about um, his father and, and his naval career and how he just went in as just the entry-level um, enlisted man and climbed up through three tiers of, of promotion um, and, and retired a commissioned uh, naval officer, you know, again, just, and um, you say, well, Pastor Mark, why are you bringing that up? In, in our world today, and thank God for this nation, and, and, you know, the freedoms and liberties and opportunities we have here are, are unlike any other. Um, there, there, are, there are countries in this world, one of the most populous nation in this world, right? If you're born to a family and it's, and it's that family's job to go follow cows around and get their poop and smear it on a wall, 
so that it can dry in the sun and people can use it to cook food. That's what you'll do your whole life. You'll do it from a small child until you die one day following the cow around, getting its poop off the ground and going to smear it on a wall, letting it dry so somebody else can use it to cook their food. Here in this country, amen, a land of opportunity, land of freedom. There's limits, I know that. There's prejudices, there's gender prejudices, there's racial prejudices. But even then, even then, whatever you may think about, President Obama, love him. And if you don't love him, you better be praying for him. Amen. You better love him. Amen. But he's a, a classic example of the opportunities that people have in this, in this country. But listen to me, please. The kingdom is even better than this. The kingdom can take what was the enemy, the worst enemy of the early church. A guy named Saul, remember him? <laughs> if you give him credit for Hebrews, he wrote half the New Testament. You talk about a turning of the tables. You talk about worst from worst to first. Faith levels that playing field. Faith can, can, can uh, take a, a young man from Hueytown, Alabama and introduce him to his creator father and his savior, fill him with the Holy Spirit and send him all over the world preaching the gospel. That was our, our brother Samuel, right? That was here with us this weekend. No limits. No limits. One last translation from the message translation. This is why the fulfillment of God's promise depends entirely on trusting God and His way and then simply embracing Him and what He does. God's promise arrives as pure gift. That's the only way everyone can be sure to get in on it. Those who keep the religious traditions and those who have never heard of them for Abraham is father of us all, and he is, he is not our racial father. That's reading the story backward. He's our faith father. Amen. Stand with me tonight. <clears throat> the measure of faith that Father has given to every person in this room represents the greatest untapped potential in your life. Amen. I have, over the years, taught on the subject of faith off and on numerous times. I've never felt such an urgency as I have this time in teaching this subject. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for what you're showing us and what you're helping us understand. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, you would help us recognize this contaminated, tainted approach to living the life that our Father created us to live, the one that involves this works-based, performance-based mindset, this probability-based mindset, this
Father, that leads us to a faith that's not genuine, to a hope that has no basis. Father, help us see these things. Help us recognize these things in our lives. Help us not just become aware of these things, but Father, show us how to correct these things. Your ways, Father, are the ways of faith. Your ways, Father, are the ways of faith. May that truth penetrate our hearts. And may we begin to look for the faith in everything that we do, in every conversation that we have, Father. May we listen for the faith. May we listen for it. May we make sure we're hearing it. May we make sure that we're not leaving faith out of our decisions, faith out of, out of the, the, the discussions we have on how we're going to figure this problem out, how we're going to pay this bill, how we're going to work to, you know, to some solution in, in this issue, however large, however small, Father. Show us how to use faith to solve problems. Show us, Father, how to use faith to move mountains. Show us, Father, how to use the faith that you've given us overcome and succeed in life and please you in the process. Father, thank you again for these men and women. Thank you for the potential that is represented here and help us, Father, to tap that potential to make a difference in this world for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise God. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Hey, remember, grab some of these. There's no reason for these magazines to just lay back there on that table. Grab you some, give them to your neighbors, whatever. Amen.